Hello everyone, this is Alex Schiffer. I'm joined alongside Blair Kirkhoff of the Kansas City Star. And today we'll go through a few things. Might need to make it a little quick, but we plan to touch on Missouri's bowl destination and some context to that. Basketball week last week and a look ahead to the two games starting tonight. And maybe we'll talk a little Kelly Bryant. Blair, how you doing? I'm good, Alex. How you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. It's been a busy Starting last weekend, it's been a pretty busy cycle so far, so definitely a lot on uh, on my plate right now. How are you? Yeah, yeah, doing good. It's always that way, the intersection of uh, college football, college basketball. There's always a lot going on. It's, a lot gets done in college football after the right after the regular season in terms of coaching changes and uh, uh, you know, get bowl invitations, uh, player transfers now has become a big part of it. There's just so much happens right at the end of the regular season, and uh, um, it might be one of the just busiest times of the year for college sports. I agree. We can tackle this in chronological order. So we had talked last week about Missouri going one and one against Temple and UCF. Uh, Missouri played a pretty good first half against Temple, then went seven, then just kind of collapsed at the end of the first half. Rallied in the second half and then ended up losing by two. Um, fast forward a little bit to my weekend. I actually snuck over to Lawrence this weekend. I've always wanted to see a game at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. I went, to, I snuck in. Uh, Missouri fans probably aren't happy to hear that, but I snuck in to see the Stanford game. I saw Gerald Vick hit that crazy three and thought that would be the craziest shot I saw the weekend. And then Jordan Geist with his miracle three to send Missouri into overtime against Central Florida in a game where they went over seven minutes without scoring. They found a way to pull it out in overtime. Jeremiah Timlin with a great pivot move over seven foot six Taco Fall to give Missouri the, the go-ahead bucket. And so they went one and one as we both predicted. I, I think we both predicted it to be the opposite of what it did. But, you know, Missouri kind of did what it needed to do last week. And now they have two very good winnable games with Texas Arlington and Oral Roberts this week. So they and and the way the schedule sets up with Xavier, um, Illinois, the Bragg Rights game, and and Moorhead State, there's reason to think that they could run the table the rest of the non-conference schedule. Possible, possible. You know, um, I, I didn't realize we hadn't talked since Temple. I was. I found myself just angry watching the Temple game. Um, guys not getting back on defense. And, you know, here's Missouri shooting, you know, having a rebounding edge and having shooting over 50% and doing a lot of great things on the statistics sheet. And then, you know, you know, scrambling to be in the game and finally losing at the end. And I just thought, man, this, this team's got a long ways to go. But they, they, they did use um, – uh, I, I think they used uh, lessons from that game, applied them to Central Florida. Um, Jordan Geis playing all – you know, not all, but uh, playing 40 minutes in that game. Uh, how, how He's become the, the indispensable player for for the Tigers, the, the reliable guy. And I, I forgot you told me you were going over to, to Allen Fieldhouse. You did see you, – you saw two three-point uh, – Geis was a true buzzer beater, right? I mean, Vic, I think, hit his. And Vic was... had 6.8 seconds left, I think, on his. Yeah, so so they had to survive. Kansas had to survive a, a last gasp by Stanford to send that into overtime. But uh, two good games that you saw, at least exciting games. And I was, you know, it, it was good to see Missouri get out of the, you know, get out of the, the week with with a split. I think it would have been pretty demoralizing 
had they gone zero and two with you know both home games last week. That'd have been a tough week and um, and really uh, dispiriting if if that if that had been the case. But still a ways to go for Missouri basketball. Still a work in progress. Um, you know, I I looked at the box score the next morning and saw the game that Kevin Perrier had against um, against Central Florida and went, oh my gosh, what 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 happened there? And uh, but uh, Tillman gave him some good minutes and uh, and and, and uh, Pickett gave him some good minutes. So you know, you're seeing some things, but. Uh, um, I'll tell you, I, I still, I'm still hesitant on upside for this team. I, I want to see, I want to see more from the Tigers. Yeah, and they're in the Temple game, and and Central Florida reminded me a lot of this too. One of the reporters sitting next to me, Cam Peek, said, and he nailed it. He goes, you know, this the Missouri season so far has been very recipe like almost with how their games have gone they've come out swinging the first 10 minutes of the first half in the second part of that first half whether it's the last 10 minutes or just the last five minutes or a little in between like Sunday with the scoring drought something happened where it was a 13-0 run that Kansas State had the seven-minute scoring drought on Sunday the turnover filled episode against Temple just something happens where they go in halftime buried a little bit they come out fighting again in the second half and then ultimately fall short. And Saturday and Sunday, I mean, was kind of the exception of that where they had all those things happen, but they came out with a win. But if you go and look at the Iowa State game, the Kansas State game, the Temple game, that has really been the the way it's gone for Missouri in a lot of its bigger non-conference games. It's that they give you a good first punch. They kind of fall on themselves heading into halftime. They get their act together only to have either buried themselves too much or to just not have enough to come up with a win. Interesting little monkey wrench I'm going to throw at you. Um, It appears K.J. Santos is going to play tonight. He tweeted game day with the eyes emoji. Um, Hmm. He's been practicing. He is. I can't get any confirmation on that right now as to whether that's going to play, but it, it looks that way. I, I think it's – first off, I think this is the kind of game you want to bring him into with a, a lower-tier opponent. They play Texas Arlington. Uh, Chris Ogden, the coach, longtime assistant for Rick Barnes, and was with Chris Beard recently. They have no size on that team. Their biggest player is 6'9", and most of them are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". Um, Chris Trevino called them the mid-size team. They're not an SUV. They don't have Volkswagen size. They're like a mid-size car. <laughs> and I'm very curious to see the impact he can have on their offense. You know, what does he look like tonight? You know, I think if he does play everyone's sidebar, at least mine is going to be, did he change their offense at all? Does he give them anything that they didn't have? What, you know, what, what does this look like with him? And can he help any of their scoring issues? Well, he's certainly a you know, but depends on where where he lines up. You know, he's he's definitely going to be something of a mismatch, uh, especially Agreed. against uh, you know a, a, a low major type, mid mid to low major type. Uh, but I've, I've been curious about him. We all have, really. I mean, what uh, you know, he put up some numbers at um, you know at, at Chicago, and and uh, we'll we'll see. It'd be neat to see him play. I I, I wasn't expecting to hear that. That's. Uh, um, that'll be interesting. And gosh, Missouri just needs, needs, you know, help in a lot of places. And you know what, when I look at Mizzou and I, and I watch the Tigers play, 
it's funny. They're, they're a better perimeter shooting team than I expect them to be. But inside the arc, they're not good. I mean, they're, they don't shoot two pointers particularly well. And, um, and, and, and that's, that's got to get better. They, they've got to be able to score better around the basket. And, uh, but, but, but this is a, it turns out to be a better shooting team than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, they lead the SEC in three-point shooting. Who, who would have thought that? Right. Transitioning over to football, uh, always an interesting Sunday football Sunday. You know, I because uh, I was at at Fog Allen, I didn't get to watch a lot of the conference championship games. I kind of I stopped at the burger joint in uh, or the burger place at Lawrence. I caught a little bit of the Big Twelve title game. Uh, I saw a little bit of the SEC and the would have been the late night one, the Big Ten a little later. Big Ten and the ACC, yeah. Yeah, but it, it seemed like, you know, especially with Georgia not getting in the playoff, which is a whole other podcast, um, you know, Missouri was kind of looking at the Gator or the Liberty just kind of with the way things shook out. Music City really wanted Purdue, and they weren't going to do a repeat matchup. So Missouri heads to Memphis to play Oklahoma State. Fans didn't seem too happy about that. You know, Oklahoma State's a 6-6 six six team. Memphis is drivable, though. The Liberty Bowl, as we've discussed countless times, has really wanted Missouri. And, you know, here they are. Some, some storylines, obviously. Barry Odom's an Oklahoma guy. Uh, Mike Gundy and Missouri saw each other a lot when they were in the Big 12. Barry Odom's nephew is actually a tight end for the Cowboys. And, you know, Missouri's recruited Memphis pretty well since they've hired Odom. I mean, Tyler Beatty and Jonathan Johnson are two big pieces of offense. So, and, and us being the Kansas City star, we're heading to a, another city for their barbecue. So, a couple <laughs> of things to watch out on on both fronts. But I, I understand Missouri fans' disappointment. You know, I, I think the bottom line, though, is that there were eight eight-win teams in the SEC. Some of those programs, like Texas A&M, are, are national and have a little more sex appeal in other parts of the country. And I think if you're the SEC – I don't blame them for putting Missouri in one of the closest bowl games to their location and also kind of challenging fans to show up for this one to see if it warrants more consideration for some of those further away tropical bowl games going forward. It's a good point. Um, all, all good points. And I like, uh, like the Missouri faithful. I was, uh, when I heard the matchup, I was sitting in the press box at, uh, in Oakland on Sunday, and when I heard the matchup, my first reaction was really. I mean, that was disappointed. I not only because it was a six and six Oklahoma State team, but it was a team that they played in a bowl game, what in the last four or five five years ago, I guess. It's not an unfamiliar opponent for for Mizzou, and you know, I I had hoped that um, you know when it when it looked like Georgia was going to beat Alabama, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be great for Missouri. That, my my only it's the only thing I was thinking about not not what it was going to do to the um, you know to the to the SEC power structure but man Missouri's going to get a good bowl out of this you know they, they would move up in the bowl pecking order but not to be um, when, when Georgia fell out of the college football playoff and uh, kind of everybody lined up where we all expected them to and it was going to be something of a long shot for Missouri to be in a you know in a Florida game on on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day against a Big Ten opponent. Um, I guess if you're not going to have that, my, my choice for them would have been the Music City Bowl, but just a personal thing. But but the more I thought about it, you know, Friday at what two is it a two forty five start, three o'clock, something like that on on New Year's yes. Eve. 
that's that's a big thing. You know, not to, to play to not play at night on New Year's Eve is good. Play in the late afternoon, start in the day, end in the evening, be done by uh, you know by midnight, and and uh, or at least be out of there for for New Year's Eve. That's that's not a bad deal, and and I think the optics are going to be good for Missouri on this. Uh, I think they will get fans to go to that game. They'll uh, um, you know it'll look good on TV for them, and, uh, and and they should win the game. I I think Missouri should beat Oklahoma State. It's it's a really odd Oklahoma State team with what they've been able to do this year against good competition. They went three and six in the Big Twelve. One of those wins was over Kansas. So you figure, okay, what were their other ones? It must have been, you know, maybe they beat TCU or, or K-State. But no, their other two were over Texas and West Virginia. And and they took Oklahoma to the gun. Oklahoma, they lost to Oklahoma when they missed a two-point conversion at the end of the game. So they played the best teams on their schedule great. And it was the K-State, the Texas Techs, and some of the others that, uh, that they couldn't handle. I'll, I'll be really curious to see which Oklahoma State team shows up in 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 Liber- in, uh, in Memphis. Um, it was just a j- just a really odd team for for Mike Gundy. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash sports pass. Yeah, and I think they're running back and one other NFL prospect on the team already announced for sitting out the bowl game. So, you know, but then again, we, we thought that would be an advantage for Missouri when Texas had some of their guys sit out last year, and and that didn't really change things. Um, I, I agree with everything you said, you know, to not really repeat any of that. I, I think that this is a bowl game Missouri should win for sure, and I, I think the more interesting thing, as you said, are, are what does everything else look like? You know, do fans travel to Memphis? I think Beale Street and that appeal on – New Year's Eve is a bit of a factor. You know, I personally, I think that, I, you know, the fans that are complaining about the location, well, are they still the ones that would have gone up and paid for money to go to Jacksonville or Orlando? And, yeah, good and, question. Yeah, and, and that's the whole thing. It's like, oh, well, we got stuck with this. Well, were you going to go to it anyway, location pending? So I, I agree. I think this is a good test for Missouri, and we'll kind of see what it's it's still an old school matchup. There are some people that probably still be invested in that, even though it's not, as you said, a, a bigger name from the Big 12. And I, I honestly feel like this is maybe the better of the two options, just because I mean TCU would have been a little bit more of an interesting one because Missouri then then didn't play because Missouri's departure went to TCU's addition, obviously. But uh, but you know, if it was Baylor, it'd be the Mac Rose Bowl, and I I don't really think that that would have much pop either. So I I think it's just that they they got. Delta hand they did, and we'll see what everyone makes of it. Just yeah, kind of I mean, look, I, go ahead. I was just saying, you know, if you're if you're a Missouri fan, go to this game. You know, it, it's you could if you live on the eastern part of the state, you can almost commute to this game, and you know, leave in the morning and be back. Um, you know, make it a day trip if you, if you had to. If you 
you know, if you lived in the in in the in the Boot Heel area, or, or even St. Louis is only a four and a half hour drive from St. Louis. Eh? This is a game where you said it earlier, and, and and you're right. This is a game where Missouri fans need to buy the tickets and show up, sell out the allotment. This game last year was a it, it was a dream game for the Liberty Bowl. You had Memphis played against Iowa State, and Iowa State has some of the greatest traveling fans in the country. And so the optics last year. There were like 60,000 people, and it was just all a sea of blue and orange, and they couldn't have they, they couldn't have come up with a better, you know, um, in-town game for, for themselves. This one, both teams have to come from, you know, have to drive to it or fly, but uh, but but they, Missouri needs to, to buy tickets to this thing. You know, put you know, ten to 15,000 people at the Liberty Bowl. Take up a, a corner and a side of the stadium and just – Make it make it look good for Missouri. Make it look better than they did at some of the home games this year. I, I agree. And and one more thing before we move on, and two other things I want to touch on. I you know the Liberty Bowl. I give them credit. They they stayed true to Missouri. They were there all the time last year, and now this year. To me, if you're Missouri, I think that you are now gunning for the. I said how the Liberty Bowl is a. You know, that and, the, and Music City were, were fallback plans in case something else happened. If me, if you're Missouri and you want Music City to be your, your next fallback for next year, depending upon how the roster shakes out, I think you need to sell this out and look as good as you can. Nashville's not too far away. And, and I think Music City's going to have their eye on the Liberty Bowl and see, well, what did Missouri do? You know, they have a strong alumni base in Memphis and Nashville. Did this look any better for them? Did they... Did they travel far and, and in numbers? And can they do the same with us now? So I think that this will have implications for Music City and, and some of those going forward. Two quick housekeeping things I want to I want to uh, bring up to you. Joe John Finley departing for Texas A&M. I had a report on that yesterday. To me, this is a very, very big loss in terms of position coaches. Obviously, it's not a coordinator, but, I mean, you look at what he did. Obviously, Missouri back during the Chase Daniel days, they had Martin Rucker, Chase Poffman, Michael Agnew. They had All-Americans, high draft picks for that position. Historically, you look at Kellen Winslow, A.J. Ophadale. It's a position Missouri's known for on the offensive side, just like defensive line on the, on the other side. And since Joe John Finley came, I mean, you look at Sean Colkin in his second year with the Chargers after going undrafted. I, I was actually going to talk to the boss about maybe joining you guys for Thursday Night Football to do something on him. No one saw him carving out an NFL career. Jason Reese got a look. Now you look at Kendall Blanton from Blue Springs and Albert O. And now it's another hot commodity for the university and the program. I mean, Daniel Parker, they converted him from DN. Now he looks like a great tight end. I think this is very interesting on a number of facets. I mean, what does Barry Odom do with the opening? Does he move Ophadale, who I said was an All-American tight end of Mizzou, to tight ends and Maybe move Andy Hill back to wideouts and hire a special teams guy. Maybe move Ophadale and just hire a wide receivers guy. Keep everyone in place and hire another tight ends guy. And and then what is the impact of this on Albert Okwebunam, who we don't know his status for the bowl game yet, but could leave for the NFL this year if he wanted to. It's a deep tight end class, but maybe someone takes him. And what are the implications for that? And, and with the Kelly Bryant decision today as well, what does that do for Alberto? So, you know, between Joe John Finley and, and the Kelly Bryant slash just quarterback cloudiness in general, I, I think that it's been a very cloudy future for Alberto for Wabinom in the last 24 hours, given what's gone down. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, there, again, this is this is the time of change and flux, you know, personnel for coaches and personnel in, in college football. And listen, you you you, I, you can't blame a coach for taking another job. You, you don't. I, I don't know what the you know what the money situation was or what. Missouri uh, matched know. his offer, but he's from Texas and has ties to to the area, which is what it makes is. makes some sense. I mean, it, it certainly makes some sense. I know he would. I remember him when he played at Oklahoma. Um, but uh, look. Missouri has had a a fantastic run of of tight ends, you know, going back to uh, you know the Gary Pinkle years, and uh, and I suspect that that'll continue no matter who the coach is. I, it's just a position that that Missouri has developed and has a reputation for now, and uh, it, whatever they decide to do, whether they move someone into the position or go out and hire for that position. Uh, I, I think Missouri will. Um, I think Missouri will continue to take tight ends seriously, and uh, and and, and I, I think they'll be able to attract a, a quality coach there if if that's the way they decide to go. Whoever ends up in that position uh, will end up being a, a a good coach. It's just it's just the way it is at Missouri. You know, as for Kelly Bryant, that's. You know the fact that he saved his last uh, visit for Auburn and is meeting with and has met with Gus Malzahn last. Uh, that always is, um, you know, that, that always kind of favors the, the the last team that you visit. You know, it's funny Auburn. I think I saw this. Auburn's offensive coordinator is out and may end up being on the Kansas staff. Um, yeah, as the as the KU offensive coordinator. So. Um, I know Kelly Bryant, Auburn has done a really good job over the years with their dual threat quarterbacks. Um, I, I, I go back to when Nick Marshall was there when they Cam went Newton. to the national. Yep. Cam. So they, 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 they've got a, they got a thing with you know, the, developing those guys and that's what Kelly Bryant is. So there is that, I mean, it's, um, and it, 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 Auburn may have a little, you know, have some cachet that Missouri doesn't. I, who knows what um, you know? What's important? What's the most important thing to Kelly Bryant? But man, I, I got to think that Missouri still is an attractive place, um, and, and, and the job is his. But it's going to be you know, wherever he goes. The job he's going to walk into the starting job. But uh, um, I just would—I I don't know. I, the more I've read about it in the last couple of days, the more I felt like yeah, it looks more and more like Auburn. And I guess we'll know here pretty soon. But Maybe hold out a little bit of hope that Missouri can still be, you know, still be the team. Uh, it's 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 looking it's it's looking, you know, not so much though. Uh, before we get you out of here, because I know you have to go, I I agree that I think that it, the Auburn news today definitely kind of made it look like he's heading down south. But I I do think Missouri has a lot to attract itself with, it what it brings back on offense. My only comment for you for perspective, how big of a get would this be for Barry Odom? You know, we've talked before how in you know, the last decade, Missouri hasn't had to worry about quarterbacks. They've always had someone in the waiting. That is no longer the case. There will be other grad transfer quarterbacks, obviously, but to get a guy that could have gone anywhere in the country, back up to Deshaun Watson on a national title team, um, you know, given everything that's happened with Barry Odom, just how... and. and especially with today's news of the Auburn visit, just how big would this be for Barry Odom to get Kelly Bryant? Well, major. I mean, it would it'd be, it'd be his biggest get uh, as a head coach. Um, it would, uh, it, it would say, 
it would say a lot about Missouri and, and Barry Odom. It would say a lot that uh, you know a guy who uh, of, of Kelly Bryant's stature, you know, believes in in, in the uh, the direction of the Missouri program, and, and you know, it's, it's a place where he wants to be. I mean, it, it's not. It, it doesn't suggest otherwise. If he ends up going out to Auburn or someplace else, I mean, I still think that the you know the arrow point is pointing up for Missouri and for Barry Odom. Um, but it, it you know besides the practical purpose of filling a gap for for next you know the important gap for next year, I think it's a, it's a positive a, a very positive commentary on, on on Missouri football that it can attract a player of, of this caliber. You know, Missouri has had top you know. Top recruits, you know, five-star guys, pledge and play at, at Missouri. It's not like it's uh, you know, it, it's not like they're the underdog all the time in these matters. But uh, uh, but every every few years, you need a reminder that you can retract this this type of athlete. And uh, and, and they would, and as far as a quarterback goes, they wouldn't be able to do better for next year than Kelly Bryant. All right, Blair, we'll get you out of here. Always appreciate your time. He's Blair Kirkhoff. I'm Alex Schiffer. We'll be back again next week. We'll either probably talk about the funeral procession of Kelly Bryant not coming to Missouri or the party in Columbia that ensued from him coming to Missouri and uh, probably talk more basketball and see what, if anything, K.J. Santos can do to fix this team. Thank you for joining us. Blair, take care. All right, Alex. See you.